He was an editor on Spider-Man from 2002, and mm-hmm. he slipped a bit of this movie in the Spider-Bite dream sequence. Oh, nice! Yeah. That's glorious. This is how you make a horror movie, is basically what this movie is. Ava Gardner! Ava F. Gardner. Well, it's summertime now. I guess it's um, appropriate that we take a little trip. Yeah, A trip to the gates of hell. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. This is the Fright Club Podcast, and she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And you know what? We're extra excited right now because we're taping this on Memorial Day. Yep. So we were out earlier today. It was beautiful today in Columbus, Ohio. I hope it was beautiful wherever you are. So we had the motorcycle out. We were cruising around. And we were in a little bit of traffic, so kind of stopped at a light, just looking around, and saw some guy we didn't know passing by, and he had a Fright Club t-shirt on. Oh, it was so exciting! I looked twice. I don't think I've ever seen a stranger in public in one of our shirts. Right, which is cool, because obviously we don't, we'd we'd like to get to know him. (laughs) But it was cool that he was a stranger, because it's different than just seeing your best friend. You know, you expect him. In fact, if you see your best friend, you'd want to say, why don't you have a Fright Club shirt on? (laughs) But the fact that this just uh, rando had one on, it was great. It was. We pointed at him, and he may have understood. Or, I doubt it. Or he was just giving that smile like, uh-huh. Keep, keep going. <laughs> keep going. Keep going. But, uh, no, it was great, whoever you are. We, we hope that you uh, come out to Fright Club sometime, and we get to say, that was us that yelled at you <laughs> on the motorcycle that day. So we're already having a good day. Hope we're going to make it better here. As we talk about the gates of hell and, and talk about a trip that we made to the gates of hell, right. and one of us got injured, <laughs> and we'll get to that in here in just a minute. But we want to say thanks to everybody that came out as our life, our love, our lady was the sea. That's right. Our last Fright Club Live, we did Sea Beasts. That was our podcast, and we showed The Lure, which was an interesting one. Um, I've always wanted to show it. It's a great movie. I love it. It's a great movie for the big screen. It's very weird. Mm-hmm. little niche mm. And, you know, we've done that before to a certain degree, I think, The Love Witch. I was a little concerned. I thought, this is, you're either all in or you're not. But everybody loved The Love Witch. Not everybody loved The Lure. No. A lot of people really loved it. A lot of people were a little puzzled by it. One guy, out, a really good guy. Tyrone? Tyrone hated yeah. it. He did, yeah. But he was good-natured about it. He was. Because he's good-natured about everything. He is. He really is. But we thanked everybody for coming out. And now we look forward to what I think is, I think, it's it's obviously going to be our biggest crowd ever uh, yeah. for the next Fright Club Live, which is going to be June 12th, as we somehow lucked into the Columbus, Ohio premiere of The Dead Don't Die, Jim Jarmusch new zombie movie with that great cast, Disassembled. I'm thinking zombies. What? You know, the undead. Ghouls. We're going to show that two days before it comes out. I know. I couldn't so, be more excited. So, it's oh, my God, so some geeked. Great swag to give away, some prizes. We'll do Thanks the ha- to Cicely. Cicely, yeah, from, oh my God. from the Owens Group. Thank you so much. So, uh, we're going to be doing that on the 12th and, uh, and record a podcast. That is because we have this great movie. We altered the plan a little bit. Uh, you know, normally we do... Older movies, yeah. uh, but this time, because there was a good reason to, we altered a little bit, and uh, we're going to do our favorite horror films featuring the cast of The Dead Don't Die. That's right, because it's crazy great, yeah. the cast. Tilda yeah. Swinton, Bill Murray, uh, Adam Driver, Iggy Pop, Carol Kane, Tom Waits. Yeah. yeah, so many great people. So that's going to be great. So we, <laughs> we were talking about CBs, and of course, number one was Jaws. Yes. And Pink Paradox <laughs> agrees that the real monster wasn't the shark, it was the mayor. August. 
For Christ's sake, tomorrow's the 4th of July, and we will be open for business. Don't be the mayor. <laughs> That's right. And Omar wrote you a nice Mother's Day song. He did. And then, then he later admitted that he may never, ever come to a Fright Club taping because, honestly, I think I creep him out, which is fair. <laughs> but that doesn't matter because he always recommends our podcast on Twitter because he's our friend. Yeah, we really appreciate that. So uh, as we get into the gates of hell, we have to thank uh, – who do we th- – we... Jeffrey! And yeah, the last Jeffrey. time – so the last time when I said we were going to do this one and I thanked – but I thanked – I said Daniel, because we had just done that podcast on hippies with Daniel Baldwin, uh-huh. so obviously I had the word Daniel in my head. So I didn't mean to thank Daniel, although he was great on the hippie podcast, but yeah. this wasn't his idea. It was Jeffrey's idea, and he was there, actually. He was at the lure. He was at the, the live one. Jeffrey, thanks for coming, and thanks for this great idea. But then this also became a little road trip for us, because if you actually—this is true—if you actually Google the gates of hell, uh, one of the responses that you'll get is this— area not too far from where we live that's right you know in columbus ohio Mm -hmm. in a suburb called clintonville so we went to investigate that's right and it is cool it is cool it's a cool place we and we took some pictures and the first thing i thought it's it's a little hard to get to yes it's behind a tim hortons right but that's it's in a ravine right but that sounds a lot easier to get to than it is yeah yes it is behind a tim hortons but it takes a little time getting there and uh, it's it's in a ravine and there's a creek and hope just fell right in it (laughs) just fell right in it. I mean, as, as my mom used to say, ass over apple cart. <laughs> and, uh, boy, she had the bruises to prove it, man. He did. They're In the form just, of a pentagram. Yeah. Uh, I've used that joke already. <laughs> That's really, the worst one is just now faded. And that yeah. was, what, two weeks ago or it, so? Yes. So, yeah, you got busted up a little I bit. I did. And, and, so, uh, and absolutely, laugh. yeah, absolutely yeah. drenched. In the, that clean, clean Olentangy River water. So when we post this podcast, are we going to put some pictures that we took there? Maybe. At the Gates of Hell? Because, no, it is a cool place. It and is. One of the first thing I thought of was that it would be very picturesque for a horror movie. The, how it's situated. You know, graffiti everywhere. That became even more appropriate because we talked to uh, Joel, yeah. who comes out to a Fright Club, and he's a filmmaker, and he did. He made a he short. He just shot one, he had yeah. He just shot one there, and I was hoping he would send it to us. Hopefully he still will. But uh, you could see how it's just it, it just lends itself. It has a, a bit of a Candyman look, yeah. you know, when she's going through that big mouth. Yeah. It's, it's a, a drainage it's pipe. A drainage it's a pipe. massive drainage pipe, but it has this weird sort of big grating uh, out in front of it, I guess, to keep large debris from getting lodged yeah. in the pipe. But it's just, and it's all and incredibly then, graffitied up, and it's so cool looking. And then they made the, the big round opening to the drainage pipe look like a mouth because yeah. they put teeth on they it. They did put teeth on it. Yeah, so it is. It will, will... And when you go inside, there's all kinds of graffiti yeah. inside the pipe yeah. that goes in all kinds yeah. of different directions. So it and is yeah, very cool. It is. But, uh, it's you, basically well, where skate punks go. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so if you want to actually get the history behind it, you can Google it. There's a the reason why that area is actually called the Gates of Hell yep. from somebody. Also what, Blood Bowl. Blood Bowl, the Blood Bowl. That's right. People that grew up in that area, once we started tweeting about it or posting about it, they go, oh, yeah, that's the Blood Bowl. I go, okay. We, <laughs> just, we just found out about it today, and one of us did get bloody. So, uh, <laughs> so that fits. So that's how we prepared for uh, this episode as we get into talking about the Gates of Hell. And we've got a few that were considered but tossed away, so let's hear about those. Well, and the first one that I thought of was Amityville 3D uh, because they they finally determined that that problem with the flies down the basement is the gateway to hell, and right. it's in 3D. And also, Lori Laughlin stars, so it would give us a chance to talk about Lori Laughlin. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it's just so bad. I mean, there really are, there are some good ones, and so that didn't make the final cut. I thought, I assumed, honestly, that the gate, that that would, too, kind of a Harryhausen sort of a thing with um, mm-hmm. 
Stephen Dorff as a young kid. Right. Uh, but that didn't finally. And then Event Horizon, that's kind of a stretch. It's really, it's not necess- it's really a black hole that it happens at the black hole is probably the gateway to hell. Anyway, there are a couple of The Void. That's another one where I don't know that it really is or isn't the gateway to hell. Mm-hmm. It's just interesting. You don't really care for that movie, though. Um, I like some of it. I yeah. like some of the early on. But again, as we've said a few times, we are not big fans of the Lovecraft type of... And that's really where it goes. Yeah, it gets very it really Lovecraftian. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I, the other one, uh, which really probably had no shot, was At the Devil's Doorway. But it is. It's, it situates the gateway to hell below a convent in Ireland, which I, I would buy. I mean, that makes as much sense as behind a Tim Hortons in Columbus. <laughs> <laughs> but they're, more, they're tastier snacks than ours. <laughs> so those got some consideration, but didn't make it. So let's get to the ones that did. We've got a five, a top five list. Gates of Hell in horror movies, and the first one deals with a rare book dealer seeking out the last two copies of a demon text, getting drawn into a conspiracy with supernatural overtones, the ninth gate. Have you studied the engravings? Some books are dangerous. A gateway into another world. L.C.F. Who's L.C.F.? Lucifer himself. And a power beyond all understanding. But he's about to open up the greatest evil of all. What have you got for me? More than I bargained for. There have been men who have been burned alive for just a glimpse of what you are about to witness. Well, let's get it out of the way right now. This is Roman Polanski, <laughs> and as we as he's come up before, mm-hmm. um, obviously good director. Yep, he's done some very very good work. Bad but, human uh, being, but issues. Just a garbage man. Issues. Just a, just a garbage human being. So we can get that up right up front. Although this is one where Johnny Depp apparently he at, at the time he had a ten million dollar fee for a movie. And uh, he didn't take it because he wanted to work with Roman Polanski. And it turns out Johnny Depp is probably kind of a garbage human, too. Ooh! Yeah. Ooh! And actually, Polanski has a cameo in this movie. He's the taxicab driver that drops uh, Johnny Depp off Corso, uh, his character, off at the airport. But uh, what makes this work, then? Because the, the last time I saw it, I don't know, it popped up on HBO or whatever... Uh, you think it's boring. You're bored by this one. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was always telling me how I feel about. I think that was always what you told me. Yeah, you just am it, I wrong? Am I off the mark? No. Is it, the last time it it did pop up, it's been a while. But um, I remember. Yeah, that's a good summation. Being being a little bored by it. Yeah. But maybe I wasn't watching it as as closely. Yeah. Because it is sort of a mystery. It you is. know, and you have to get drawn into it. But it wasn't my favorite. No. Yeah, I've, I've, I mean, I've always liked this movie, and I think that it does a couple of things uh, different and and uh, in in a good way. First of all, Frank Langella, who yeah. is the effortlessly creepy yeah. Frank Langella. I always love him and everything, and he's very good in this one. And also Lena Olin, who um, you don't see as often in different films, but but she she has a super creepy vibe usually in stuff, and she is a great counterpoint to him in this movie. And both of them are just wildly wealthy human beings, and they're they're both part of kind of a group of people who are trying to summon Satan by finding the right combination of images in these texts that Satan, Lucifer, that's what they refer to in this movie, Mm -hmm. co-wrote, co-wrote. And so that's how Dean Corso gets drawn into it, is that Frank Ligella's character wants this used book dealer. And right there, I find that a little bit funny. It's like, it's like a... He's like a hard-boiled private dick. You know what I mean? He's like, think like there's all this glamour and intrigue. You're a used book dealer? Really? Was he a hit with all the chicks? I guess so. <laughs> You're damn right. <laughs> so, I mean, I always found that a little bit funny. But there is a black mass, which I am such a sucker for those in you movies. Are. You I really am. are. 
And this one had some scenes in New York City that obviously were not shot in New York City mm-hmm. because Roman Polanski can't come to New York City. No, indeed. Uh, they were shot in Paris. And also what was a little bit creepy about this, kind of a stretch, but the, the mystery girl yeah. in this movie, she's reading the book How to Make Friends and Influence People. And if you do a deep dive into the Charles Manson family, he he read that book as well. Ooh. And, of course, he, you know, murdered Sharon Tate, which was Roman Polanski's wife. So that's kind of weird. That is weird. But, you know, if if, if you believe all the, the, the stuff about um, Charles Manson, who obviously was a weird dude, and that would lean on that book to try to attract some of his followers. Yeah. It seems like he did more than that. But anyway, that's just kind of a creepy side note. It is. That really is. And it's funny because the girl, quote, is Polanski's wife, mm-hmm. Emmanuel Sr., and she is really standout bland <laughs> in this movie. <laughs> and yet, so the execution, I can't say, is really there, but it's a fascinating idea to me because depending on how you read it, she is Satan. So I hope I'm not giving anything away, but it's a 20-year-old film at this point. And I think that that's, that's one thing that I find interesting about the movie. And the other thing I find interesting, you could also read it as she's the whore of Babylon, which is much less interesting because I don't know why she would be this invested in who gets to summon Satan, but whatever. But the other thing that's interesting is that basically you've got these grandiose black robes and goats, and that's Satan's like, not these guys. I like this guy. I like this grizzled used book guy. I mean, he's going to die soon anyway. Look at how many cigarettes he smokes. Let's just give it to him. And I always find that sort of interesting that the point of view, even though it's it's certainly not saying, you know, Satanism is A-OK. What it's saying is it's not that. It's not that vanity. It's something else. Uh-huh. It's about dark, ugly wisdom. Let's give it to this guy. I mean, murder's OK. But, I mean, it's just an interesting twist, I think, on it. I do have to give, even though she's bland in this movie... One of the le- one of the most recent films that Plansky did, Venus in Fur. Yeah. She is the star, and she is fantastic. Emmanuel Signer, how do you pronounce it? Probably not. But... I always get the I always get the tough names. <laughs> but anyway, she is great. And again, say what we do about Polanski, but it's a really good movie, Venus in Fur, from a few years ago. But Ninth Gate is what we're talking about here from 1999. Party and like it for the Fright Club po- podcast on. The Gates of Hell, as we move up to number four, this tells the story of a young woman inheriting an old hotel in Louisiana where, following a series of supernatural accidents, she learns that the building was built over one of the entrances to hell. From 1981, The Beyond. Woe be unto him who opens one of the seven gateways to hell. Because through that gateway, evil will invade the world. This is Lucio Fulci, who doesn't make it on the podcast that often, because we're we're not huge fans. Well, so I'm not, uh, we're not massive fans of Italian horror. I do like Lucio Fulci. Maybe not as as rapidly as a lot of people do, because mm-hmm. I think his movies are bad, but in a really fun way. Well, this is part of his Gateway to Hell trilogy. It is. With City of the Living Dead yes. and House by the Cemetery. Yeah, which is where you find the other gates to hell. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, I don't think it's just me. I mean, The Beyond is the best of those three, although I I do like City of the Living Dead quite a bit. I don't really like House by the Cemetery, but it's one of those, one of the reasons that I like Fulci films is the really bad dubbing. And that's one of the reasons I like a lot. I mean, if I like an Italian (laughs) horror film, it usually has to do with that. But the bad dubbing works so well with a Fulci movie because their narratives are so 
all over the place and surreal. And so this weird, jarring overdubbing of everybody's lines, I think, feeds into that surreal weirdness, okay, yeah, which yeah, yeah. I, I always appreciate. I don't like about, in a lot of his films, is when you've got a child actor in the original, right, like House by the Cemetery, they dub it, they have a woman dub it. Yeah. She just... <laughs> and I can't like I can't yeah. make it like it, it, it's all I can do to watch that movie all the way through because that kid's voice just drives me crazy because it's not even a kid doing it. It's uh-huh. just ear- anyway. So there are no children. Um, I mean, it, it, there are no adult women dubbing children's voices in the beyond. And it's the weirdest, I think, of the three. And in a, in a fairly self-conscious way. But I mean, it's incredibly gory, of course, because it's Lucio Fulci. And uh, it's incredibly weird. Yeah, but it's that, as usual, Italian horror, it's that really fake blood uh, that, that uh, it, it's yes. go- gory, but kind of fake gory. Yeah, gial, yeah. And this one, actually, this, too, has a uh, director cameo. Uh, Fulci plays the librarian who goes out to lunch right before the architect is attacked by the spiders. Oh, I see. So he gets in there as well. And this was actually never seen, this movie was never seen in America in its uncut form until 1998. And Grindhouse uh, tracked it down, the Grindhouse releasing, got the original master and restored the film and started playing it at midnight shows in selected theaters. Nice. It's kind of had a a, a back and forth and up and down history trying to get its original version out. Well, I'm confident that the movie probably doesn't make any more sense with all the footage. (laughs) But that that doesn't mean you want any of the footage gone because Lucio Fulci is so... You know, inspired in his gore and the weirdnesses in his movies. And one of the things, though, that it does, like the only thing that it has in common with any of the other movies on this list is naturally the problem is it's a new piece of real estate. Somebody is moving in to, uh, you know, they're buying a property. It's a, you know, and he's like, here's what I've learned. Mm -hmm. Look in the fucking basement. (laughs) Just before you move in, look in the basement. Are there any gaping holes to nowhere? Then you probably don't want to live here. Except for that movie called don't look in the basement, what? which is another reason to look in the basement. Exactly. That way, you know what? You'd have, you'd have gotten past so many problems if you had just not paid attention to that title and looked in the basement. You know what's cool, though? Going back to Grindhouse Releasing, who restored this, a guy named Bob Morosky uh, of Grindhouse Releasing, he helped restore it in 1998. Now, he's a film editor, and he edited, he was an editor on Spider-Man from 2002, and mm-hmm. he slipped a bit of this movie in the spider bite dream sequence. Oh, nice! Yeah, just a little bit. Oh my God! Slip it in there. Nice, so now, that, and totally fits. Yeah. I mean, it totally fits. Oh yeah, yeah, that's glorious. Um, and and uh, Katrian McCall uh, is the star of this one. She's the she's the woman Liza who who inherits the Louisiana hotel, right. and she's also the lead in the other two of the trilogy. So yes. she's you know, but she plays she always plays different characters. She does, right? yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She plays different character yeah. each time. And one of the things I love about her in this movie is it's so it's an Italian film, and so most of the actors are speaking Italian, and they're being dubbed later in English. She's actually a British actress, but they give her. Uh, she's moving to the South, but she's from New York. But her, the dubbing is done by I don't know who. So anyway, the, I've it's like the, I've never <laughs> heard a more confused accent in my life. <laughs> and I remember it like when the first hundred times I saw this movie, I thought it was an Italian trying to do New York. Yeah. But now I actually think it's a Brit trying to do Southern. Either way, it's hilarious <laughs> and wrong, and in the best possible way. The best possible way. Number four on our Gates of Hell. 
Fright Club countdown. From 1981 to beyond, leading us up to number three, a family looking to prevent evil spirits from trapping their comatose child in a realm called the Further. This is the this is Insidious. I went into Dalton's room. There was something in there with him. I know someone who can help. I want to leave. I want to leave this house. What is it? It's not the house that's haunted. It's your son. I remember this was one I didn't have high hopes for that. No. I, I didn't expect when we saw it the first time to like it as much as I did. Um, maybe I should have. Right. That's the thing. So James Wan and Lee Winnell, they had the, you know, great gangbusters with Saw. Mm-hmm. And then uh, they only did the first Saw. And, of course, it just devolved into just a sort of uninspired Splatterfest that came out every year. And yeah. then they moved on to Dead Silence, which is terrible. So this was really... Their comeback, but I, 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 I'm with you. I don't think we had high expectations, and it was PG-13, which at the time, actually, I mean, these guys really kind of ushered in. Yeah, this is how you make a horror movie. Is basically what this movie is. You get a really strong, recognizable cast that doesn't cost a ton of money, and you make it PG-13, and you rely less on CGI and more on practical effects, and you make a ton of money. Well, you know what? We were just talking uh, this weekend. Because uh, this weekend saw the release of Brightburn. Right. Which we didn't think was horrible. No. It was some B-movie fun. Mm-hmm. But that got us to talking amongst ourselves that R-rated horror can be difficult. Now, of course, you do have and le- you have your blockbusters like It. Yep. So, you know, and, and we loved it. Yep. But, I mean, a lot of times you can make the bank on this PG-13 horror. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, especially if, and there are a lot of people who, who do PG-13 horror, and they, it is strict, strictly aimed at young teens, right. like Ouija, mm-hmm. right? This isn't, right? This is smart and creepy like and well-made. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, and so this, I think, for me, Insidious was the first time where we saw what was going to become, really, James Wan's kind of footprint, mm-hmm. you know, that eventually he, he was able to, he was snatched up to do uh, superhero movies, first some Fast Furious movies, and then superhero movies. So now he's like one of the biggest directors ever. Yeah. But, you know, he lined that with a, a bunch of, of universes of his own and of course he only ever directs the first one and and that's always the best one but still so insidious was the first of that and the second one was okay the third one wasn't very good the fourth one was bad whatever that's how these things go but the first one was really inspired and well it's not technically hell right it's technically the further right but i don't think that that red face guy that that Organ player? No, man, that's love, hell. Love that guy. I know, so great. Love that red-faced guy. And I think here's what I love about this movie. Generally, in a horror film, you know, it's the idea of less is more. Let the audience imagination fuel their fears because it's it's easy. Well, I, I give James Wan credit for he does it. He shows you. He shows you creepy ass shit, and you're like, nope, nope. This is creepier than my brain was gonna go. <laughs> it really is. And it's also, it's another indication of what a solid MVP Rose Byrne is. Oh, my is, God, she's so good. Whatever she's doing. Yeah. You know, we've, we've talked before, well, well, maybe not on this podcast, no. on our other podcast, The Screening Room, check it out. Uh, she's about, funny. She's funny. Yeah, she's funny in other films, yes, not this film. Not this one, but she's just always solid. She can go between different genres and really make things believable, as, as she is here. And, and this, of course, Patrick Wilson. Yeah. You know, and, and one of the things I love about Patrick Wilson, who's a very good actor, and of course has been in some some big major stuff, but he's in a lot of great indies. He does a lot of horror movies, mm-hmm. and he's always very good. Yep. Always. Yep. Uh, this one just has 
a fun type of haunted house vibe about oh, it. Oh, absolutely. You know, because all of it does, so much of it happens in this house. Yes, yeah. And you see things like that red-faced demon. Oh, yeah. Or maybe a shadow over here, you know, moves. Oh, yeah, and um, you hear the creepy song, Tiptoe yeah. through the tulips. Tiny tip. Tiptoe through the it's just, yeah, it's super creepy. And they, they don't reinvent the wheel, but what they do is really bring some flourish to it. So it does. It feels a little bit throwback um, in the way I think eventually when he makes The Conjuring, which is a better film. But the, he does, I think, the same thing there to a certain degree. It gives you something new and fresh, but mm-hmm. very throwback feel. And as we're, as we're giving love to the lipstick red-faced demon, that's the composer of the movie playing uh-huh. that. Yeah. Guy named Joseph Bashara, who's also an actor, he uh, did some acting. He composed the movie, and he's that demon. Nice double threat. There. That's right. Nicely done. So, Insidious number three on the Gates of Hell. That's from 2010. If I didn't mention the year, and I might have, I forget. But there it is. <laughs> Moves it up to uh, number two, going back to the 70s. You know how I love that. 1977. <laughs> We'll go to and not ready for marriage. A fashion model moves into an unbelievably cheap Brooklyn Heights apartment. First red flag, where weird occurrences turn into a much more frightening turn of events. It's the Sentinel. The Sentinel, the most frightening motion picture experience of your life, and the most revealing. Turn around, look behind you. Be one with us. There is evil everywhere. And the Sentinel is the only hope. The Sentinel. First thing I love looking back at this movie is all the people that are in it. It's insane. I mean, starting with Jeff Goldblum. I know. He's in it. Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken. Tom Berenger. William F. Hickey. Oh, yeah. Burgess Meredith. Chris Sarandon. Ava Gardner. Ava F. Gardner. Beverly D'Angelo from right here in Columbus, Ohio. Jerry Orbach. And a a cameo from Richard Dreyfuss. It's it's crazy. Yes. And, of course... And, of course, John Carradine, but he was in literally every single movie that was made during the 1970s. John Carradine, you know, if there's someone who has more credits than John Carradine, maybe Peter Cushing or one of, or Christopher Lee. Christopher I mean, Lee was close, but John Carradine. John Carradine has a shit ton. Part of it, of course, is because he lived to be like 314, and so that's a long career. But also, yes, he was in every third movie that ever came out. Okay, I just had to look him up on IMDb. And you know he's been around a while when the first thing that comes up. Well, what is he known for? Stagecoach. <laughs> Woo! Okay, 351 wow. IMDb credits. Wow. Yeah, Le- but again, he lived a long time. He I mean, did. He had a very long career. He did. And he wasn't choosy. So those two <laughs> things together equals a hey, lot of credits. he's in Stagecoach. Yeah, he's done a lot of, but 351 credits. You're right, he's in this. But yeah, Ava Gardner, as she was obviously on the, the backside of her career, mm-hmm. Pops up in this, and so many people. And Jeff Goldblum, we mentioned, not in it very much, but no. what he, this, the scenes he is in, he's dubbed. <laughs> he's dubbed. They didn't care for the Goldblum's voice. <laughs> yeah, so this one, there's there's a couple of different versions floating around. There's the uncut version uh, on DVD, and that features bad Catholic Church stuff, nudity mm-hmm. and gore. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you've got the other one that sanitizes mm-hmm. a lot of that stuff. Yeah. So let's Obviously, go, go for, for the, the uncut. Yeah, go for the former. Clearly, go for the uncut. Partly, again, though, because this this cast is so stocked that you don't want to cut out one moment of any of them because a lot of them are only in it for one moment. Yeah, and here's the deal. 
when you look at that cast, it goes back to, since this was the late 70s, a lot of these older stars, Burgess Meredith, Ava Gardner, mm-hmm, and John mm-hmm. Carradine, that was a Universal Studios decision since, remember some of the other movies going out at that time? Airport, all those types of disaster yeah, movies, yeah. stocked their cast with these older yeah. stars, and they turned out really well. So that was, at the time, it was a studio decision to do that. Well, it works out. I mean, it's, it's because a little bit, actually... As much as it may not seem like it, there's a lot that this film has in common with the Lucio Fulci film. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she's it's a woman and she's single and she's kind of damaged and she's looking at a new place to live. And it happens that now she is in charge of the gateway to hell and there's going to be all this weird pull to seduce her into hell. They're very similar films, honestly. This one is just a um, very different, very American take on it. And uh, one of the reasons that it's as good as it is is because most of these this great cast, they're basically playing demons. Yeah. Right? They're playing incredibly weird, subversive, crazy, goofy people, and they do it so well. Mm-hmm. In a way, not totally, but in a way, some of those older stars in this reminded me of the the older group in Rosemary's Baby. Yeah, yeah. You know, that are always around, sure. and, you know, the Ruth Gordons yeah, and yeah, such. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's interesting, uh, Michael Winner, who made this movie, who has a, it's just a journeyman of a, of a director. He made a million different movies. Yeah. I think that this is a, he doesn't make a lot of horror films. He's actually probably known for, do, he, he did the Death Wish trilogy. But I think that the approach that he took to making this movie, it isn't spooky. It doesn't play on a lot of sort of traditional directorial choices that people use when they make horror movies, it feels a little bit like a New York City set police procedural. A little bit. Only completely upended because the police <laughs> don't know what they're doing. <laughs> and and the only thing that's interesting is what's happening inside the apartment. And again, so one of the other things that I like in these movies, it's who do they choose to play Satan and how well do they do it? Burgess Meredith all day. Absolutely. Yes, please. Love it. <laughs> what a weird choice. It is. And and it and it just couldn't couldn't work better. And I love when he first comes to see her and just invites himself in. Oh, Can yeah. I just come in and look around? Oh, what's this? And everything. And, oh, yeah. In his Burgess Meredith way. Right. Yeah. It's just great. Carrying and, a cat and just yeah. being eccentric and lovable. Exactly. And the house, by the way, is as of 2018, still there. Uh, the house they use, 10 Montague Terrace in Brooklyn, New York. 20 units, four stories, an elevator, central laundry room, and common storage if mm. you want to go by and. Get a new place. Right. There you go. <laughs> Just see if there's anybody peeking out the window. That's right. Just see, yeah, that's right. And that's always creepy, yeah. too. Uh, the Sentinel from 19... No, yeah, from 1977. Did we mention the lead actress? Christina Raines? Yes, Christina Raines. She's pretty bland, honestly. But, I mean, she... Everybody else isn't. So, I guess you need something that's a little bit... Yeah, she's definitely the one, the the reactor. Everything else is happening yeah. around yeah. her. Chris Sarandon is so supremely creepy because he is anyway and that <laughs> voice is always creepy i mean he's but in this one he also has that mustache you're like oh i'm glad you brought him up because <laughs> it gives me a chance to this story i read when researching about this movie when they started to see some of the first scenes the producer saw him and said what is a greek waiter doing in my movie <laughs> And that producer had to be reminded that this is the guy you wanted. This is the guy from Dog Day Afternoon. Oh, and wow. That's why they wanted him in the movie. Wow. But that mustache and that hair. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
But, you know, I mean, given the way his character turns out, you know, when you're watching it, he's so repellent. You're like, what is this beautiful woman doing bothering with this guy? And then at the end, you're like, oh, he's a demon. Nice. He's condemned. And that is the Sentinel, number two on our list of Gates of Hell Horror, leaving room for number one. This one has turned up a few times with good reason on the Fright Club. It's a squad of unsuspecting cops. Going through a trapdoor to hell when they stumble upon a black mass. There it is again. There it is. In an abandoned building from 2015 Baskin. I think it's possible that this is Baskin is the only one of these films that we've ever talked about on this on this podcast before. Um, I think you're right, but we did. We also did a Fright Club Live. We showed this. Yes, not, we not, did. Not too long ago. Yeah, uh, and that was we did cops. It was yeah. cops. Yeah, because that's who falls into this trap door to hell mm-hmm. is a, a squad of cops. We've also done it. We've talked about it before because we did Middle Eastern horror. And it's a yeah. Turkish film and one yeah. of very very few Turkish horror films. Yes. Um, uh, but also we've talked about it before because it's just absolutely brilliant, incredibly creepy. So weird. And talk about the guy who plays Satan. Shut up. <laughs> well, here he goes by father. Right. Or Baba. Yeah. 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 Mehmet Karagulo. Wow. Nope. Mehmet Karagalu. Uh-huh. What, it, what a look. Oh, my God. First of all. Mm-hmm. And it's built up. You know, the film builds up so much. And once, once they get down there and they're in the basement. Yeah. And all this freaky stuff is going on. And then slowly you start seeing some feet come down some stairs. I mean, when you finally get a look at him, oh, it's yeah. such a slow build. And his appearance is so startling yeah. that it just... Adds to it, and well, you've 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 compared him before to Michael Berryman. Yeah, um, and the hills have eyes. And the hills uh-huh. have eyes, and it and it's true, and, it, and it's very different look. But it's just you're so startled by his look. His also though his performance as Baba is amazing. Yeah, he has uh, the actor has an extremely rare skin condition. He's also very small in stature, but jacked. Yeah, he's so I jacked. Mean, yeah, yeah, and so he just cuts this really incredible figure you can't take your eyes off him and then he's so gentle yeah. but menacing yes. in this movie you're just oh you don't, you, you cannot forget him no but the other thing uh, also is by the time that he's introduced as you say i mean by that time i mean you are just so bludgeoned by what in the hell is going on and what's the deal with the the fashionable eye patch and is that straw or is that your hair and how long does the pregnancy gestation period take place in hell not that long and it's such a it's so the meat i always think of that word right at the very beginning they're at a diner and they're you know they're showing but like the whole film is about meat also that first of all if we didn't mention, this is director Cam Evernall, mm-hmm. and um, I'm glad you mentioned the meat and the and the diner scene because when they find where they've gone and when they realize what they're experiencing, that diner scene really sets it up it because it shows them to be bad people and the things that they have talked about that they have done mm-hmm. and things that uh, might condemn them. Let's yeah. put it that yeah. way. Are all discussed at that diner. Mm-hmm. I mean, I hope I'm not giving too much away, but it's one of those movies where were they dead the whole time? It 
turns back in on itself several times in a way that you just think, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. You know, it's the director does a great job of eliciting an emotional response from you. And he he feeds that wake up, wake up yeah. feeling with a couple of scenes where you think, oh, that, that's what it is. Oh, that's not what it is. Right. And that this is all part of the experience that they're going yeah. through. Letting at least one character think that he's out of it, but he's yeah. not out of no, it. No, uh, because this, it's hell. Yeah, exactly. And uh, Cam Evernall has said that Mehmet contributed to many of the artistic decisions not only in the character... Because he's an artist. Yeah, he he's is, an artist. Yeah, he's a visual artist. In the film set, exactly. And all this in spite of not having a background at all in uh, in acting, mm-hmm. although he is an artist, and it does. But the look of it, oh, yeah. it's, it's just... It's just not one that you and really he, forget. And you've mentioned in other films, sound design, what you hear, again, it just makes it meat. You just hear this <laughs> slopping, oh my God, the yeah. film. And I think most movies avoid taking you actually into hell. Mm-hmm. And this one does in a way that is not like, not in any way like Insidious, but just as imaginative. <laughs> But it's a feat to get through. It's a brilliant movie, though. Yeah, it is. And that is number one, Gates of Hell Horror, Baskin from 2015. And uh, we'd like to hear from you if you got any that uh, you think that we missed or maybe some of those that we talked about earlier that didn't cut it. Maybe you like those better than one of the ones that we picked. Let us know. It's always fun to keep the conversation going. You know where to find us on Twitter. It's Fright Club Pod. Always glad to hear from you. And then uh, otherwise, it's Mad Wolf Columbus on Facebook and Instagram. And, of course, the main website, madwolf.com. As we look forward to the next Fright Club Live, we talked a lot about it. That's because we are so excited about showing the dead don't die. I'll be honest, the passes, they're few and far between right now. Oh, it's going to be a full house. Yeah, it's going to be. It's going to be. Um, you know, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be fun. You know what? If you if you want to make it over and you don't have a pass yet, you know, DM, slide into our DMs. Is that, <laughs> is that what the kids That's what the kids say? Is that it? what they say? And we'll see what, we'll see what we can do because uh, we want a full house of people just raring to go for that. And, of course, a good crowd to tape the podcast yes, is going to be exactly. awesome. So, so get in touch if you can. Uh, always appreciate you listening to Fright Club. And wherever it is that you listen to Fright Club, if you would do us a favor and subscribe, rate, and review, and we by, would be so pleased. Yes, and by the way, if you did take the time... Voting is closed now for the Columbus Podcast Awards uh, that we are up for. If you did take the time to vote, thank you. Thank Thank you you so much. We'll find out in August. I think August 24th or something. We'll find out if we won. But uh, I want to thank you if you did take the time to vote. Always appreciate that. So get in touch if you can. Until next time, she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And this is the Fright Club Podcast. Stay frightful, my friends.